listening to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel on this February the 21st in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I'm only too willing to answer any of your theological questions. I'm not able to answer all of them because I'm not omniscient, which means I don't know all things, only God is. But if there is an answer in the Bible, hopefully I'll know it. And if I don't know it and it's in the Bible, then I'll talk about it on Monday's Law and Gospel to answer. So without any further ado, you can phone me. If you're in St. Louis, you just dial 821-0850. Anywhere else, toll free in North America, one 800 730 2727. I want to begin by talking about what I spoke of yesterday, that book, And God, What About? It's by James T. Cumming and Hans Moll, M-O-L-L, who just so happens to be the treasurer of one of the congregations uh, that I'm working with right now. And what they had done years ago They were at a university, and they had students ask questions. And then the pastor would answer these questions. And what happened is, and this was at Western Illinois University in Macomb, they would then respond, and they made it into a book. CPH publishes it, whether it's still available, I'm not sure. And God, what about? So... That's what we're going to be uh, encouraging you to do in your congregation. So without further ado, we've given out the phone numbers. Let's, and now we've had uh, Cheryl from Indianapolis. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, On Tuesday, you were talking about the uh, hymn. For Transfiguration, and you mentioned the hymn that we usually sing at the end of the service, which is Alleluia, Song of Gladness. Yes. And um, I looked up the meaning of the word <laughs> Alleluia, and I guess it's Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Yes. Seems strange to me. But then I was looking at the references for that hymn, and it said Psalm 137. And then verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And I thought, wow, that's a really good question. And I wonder what that means. So I was hoping that you could comment on that. Okay, and that was Psalm 137? Psalm 137, verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Yes. Okay. And but, I'll hang up. Oh, you will. Um, All right. And I'll I'll attempt to answer thanks. that. Thanks so much thanks. for calling. Okay. Goodbye. Uh, I, I'm sure she's still listening on the air. In, in fact, uh, Psalm 137 has titles, but these are put in by the editors. They're not part of the Bible. And this one... The title is, How Shall We Sing the Lord's Song? Now, what the psalm is doing here, I'll read a little part of it. 
by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. This is the chosen people of God taken into Babylonian captivity, and they sat down and wept because they had left Zion, which is Jerusalem, been captured by the Babylons, and now they weren't able to go to the temple. Uh, the temple had pretty well been destroyed. They weren't able to do sacrifices. They didn't have priests to pray for them. Uh, but then in verse 3 it says, uh, on, well, 2, On the willows there we hung up our lyres. That's an instrument they played with, somewhat like a guitar. For there are captives required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now, you can understand. It's, it's kind of like you're with your family, uh, perhaps, and really enjoying things. And then maybe you do something wrong. You get arrested. You go to jail. And you can't be there for Christmas. Can't be there for Easter. Uh, how can I sing a good song in jail? Yeah, I think you get the understanding because God wants us to sing songs even in a foreign land. So what does God say? Verse 5, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. In other words, what is happening here is Jerusalem still becomes your highest joy. We're, we're finding that not so much in the United States where there isn't the kind of persecution to death that is being found in other foreign lands against Christians, but we hear them again even at the point of their death singing praise to God, to Jesus Christ specifically because they know they're going to a far better place. In fact, in verse 8, it says, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little one and dashes them against the rock. So it doesn't sound like this is something that we can sing praises to. But I believe it was the Bible study this morning that kind of starts things off here at KFUO. And they were talking about that God is to be praised even if you're having a good day or a bad day. And they were talking about the fact that sometimes you need to go as a pastor to someone who is dying and you can still give them comfort. And the comfort is, of course, that if you have hope only for this world, you are of all men most miserable. So the Israelites ended up in Babylonian captivity because they abandoned God and went to false religions. 
and the evil ways of the surrounding cultures. And they lost everything. So they appreciate in exile what they had thrown away. Well, we're also exiles in the new Babylon, the world system with its abomination and the devil. And every one of us as Christians must endure temptations and tribulations. So we can still do that because God is keeping his promises to us. How do we know he's keeping his promises? Well, we don't need any evidence. All we need is his holy word. And since his holy word never is wrong, that is to say, his promises are always fulfilled. How shall we sing the Lord's song, particularly in a foreign land? We're in a foreign land. We're on the earth. That's the abode of Satan. There's two kingdoms here. There's the kingdom of Satan, and then there's the kingdom of God. Augustine talked about that. Martin Luther talked about it. And when we become a member of the Christian church, we are moved from the one kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. But the promises of God still occur, even though the kingdom of God is really all about being in the devil's kingdom also with persecution and worries. So there's no doubt that we need to witness to Christians in such a way that they are helped because proper preaching of the word is absolutely essential. The word is the word of God. And so how can you sing the Lord's song? We do that every Sunday. We're in a foreign land. We're in a colony. It's called the earth. But before long, we may be taken from this veil of tears to heaven itself. And therefore, we need not be worried about anything. And that's because God keeps his promises to us even during the tough times. I mean, how many times have we thought, I'm never going to get through this day? And here we are weeks away or months away or years away from that day when we thought we were in trouble. I think one of the ways in which to reach out to people is to help them over their loneliness. And that's something that is really a factor in a lot of people's lives. In this book, And God, What About?, Here's one of the questions. Pastor, I know Jesus is there, but I still feel lonely, as though there were a void inside me. I'm lonely, insecure, and afraid. At times I feel and act childish, not really wanting to grow up. So that's the question that was addressed decades ago, and it kind of fits pretty well 
with how can we sing the Lord's song? How can we praise God when we're lonely? Well, the pastor answers this way. I'm sorry you feel so bad. I hope it makes a difference to you that a fellow member of the body of Christ feels at least some of the hurt you feel. Your fellow Christians know that it is part of their responsibility as well as part of their privilege to share and bear your burdens with you. You are not alone. Jesus and the friends of Jesus would like to help you. Please help yourself to the help God offers. God helps you through the means of grace, which he has given to his church here on earth. Take advantage of the means of grace, which are the word of God and the sacraments, baptism and holy communion. It is via these means of grace that God brings us to true trust in Jesus. It is also via these means of grace that he sustains us in the faith. In order to enjoy the means of grace, you will need to read the word of God. Yeah, I want to stop here for a second and just explain a bit. What what are the means of grace? Well, it's kind of like you want to go see a movie. What are the means of your transportation? It could be a car. It could be a bus. You might hitchhike. That becomes the means of getting you from one place to another. So also, the means of grace needs to be understood in that way. How do you transfer, how are you transferred, how do you get from the one place, the kingdom of Satan, to the kingdom of God? And he says, in order to enjoy the means of grace, you will need to read the word of God. After reading the word of God, you will want to share with others what you have learned. Therefore, it is important to involve yourself in the work and fellowship of Christians. Join the youth groups and Bible study classes offered at your church. Attend worship services and partake of the Lord's Supper. The word of God and the sacraments, that's the means of grace, will fill the void in you. By joining with fellow Christians, you will not have time to be lonely, insecure, and afraid. Are you looking for love when you act childish? Childish? When you become involved with other Christians, you will grow in Christ and in his love. Motivated by that love, you will put away childish things and grow up. And the pastor has 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. So a lot of people are lonely simply because they really don't know God. And a lot of times in the Bible, to know God means to believe in God. It's the same with our relationships. Yes, I really know that person. I know how he feels. I know what he's going to do under certain circumstances because I have had lots of experience with him. So this leads to another question. I know a girl who believes in everything except God and all the teachings. And she says she doesn't because she doesn't know. 
and that there is no definite proof of God and Jesus, what do you think? Now, we read this yesterday where this girl still would believe that George Washington existed even though she never met him. In the same way, we believe the witnesses of Jesus. Why? Because they knew him. And by knowing him, we don't have anything to be worried about. The thing that keeps a person out of heaven is, of course, our sin. And so here's a question one of the students asks. I drink, smoke pot, yet maintain very good grades with a good outlook on life. Will God forgive? I think a lot of people think that way. They realize they do have some sins, but they also have a pretty good life, and they seem to be happy with their life. Will God forgive me? Here's the answer. Will God forgive drinking? This is not a sin. Will God forgive you any drunk? Yes, but... And then it goes on. Will God forgive smoking pot? Yes, but... Will God forgive very good grades? This is not a sin. Will God forgive a good outlook on life? This is not a sin. Yes, God will forgive getting drunk and smoking pot, but you can only enjoy his forgiveness when you are truly sorry for your sins. Now, you see, why is that true? Uh, now, this is me talking. Why is it true if you're really sorry for your sins? It's kind of when maybe you hurt someone by something you said or something you did, and that person kind of shuts himself or herself off from you. Don't you feel bad about that? That's what true repentance is, feeling contrite or bad about what you're doing to God. The answer goes on. Yes, God will forgive you because, and he quotes Psalm 130, verse 4, you forgive us to have us fear you. Or Psalm 86, 5, you, Lord, are kind and forgiving, full of love for all who call to you. God offers this forgiveness to all sinners. God wants all people to be saved and to come to know the truth, 1 Timothy 2.4. That is why he sent his only son, Jesus, to lift up from us, to lift away from you, to deliver us from, and to liberate us from our sins. And, and those phrases were in quotes. Enclosed in the quotes are the original literal definitions of some of the words for to forgive, which are used in the Bible. Jesus lifted our sins from us, took them to the cross with him, and there he suffered the eternal consequences of all our sins. In fact, it has been well said that on the cross, Jesus suffered hell, complete separation from God for all people, for all their sins, for all time. 
Okay, we're ready to go back to the phone lines right now. Let's talk with Steve. Steve, you're on the air. Hello, Steve. Yeah, hi. Good. You're on the air. Um, um, yeah, you know, several things in the Bible kind of confuse me, but I don't feel like I have to understand everything to be a believer, which is fine. But uh, one thing is, you've always talked about Jesus did it all. We don't have to do anything. He did it all. But then you read the verses that say, um, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you, which puts action in our place. And I'm just kind of confused how to combine those two thoughts and make that work. Yeah, I believe it or not, I believe that is the hardest verse in the Bible to understand. Hmm. I, I've got a, a video on it, and I, I do some teaching on it. Would you like to hear how I understand that? Sure. Let, let me ask you this. Is that statement, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive, is that law or gospel? <sighs> Sounds like law to me. Absolutely. It's law. And so there's two things that... The Bible teaches about when we hear the law. Number one, it's a demand from God. And number two, no human being can do it perfectly. So, the reason it's the hardest verse in the Bible, in my opinion, is because there is no other verse if you do a sin that you cannot be forgiven. If you murder someone and are repentant, you are forgiven. But if you don't forgive someone, and even if you're sorry you're unable to forgive but still won't forgive, God won't forgive you. It's the only sin in the whole Bible, I believe, where forgiveness is not an option. So when you hear the law, God always takes care of it by the gospel. But what do most people think is the gospel? What is the gift that we get from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Christ's forgiveness? Yes. And see, that's where the problem comes because this verse doesn't allow forgiveness if we don't forgive. And it's always surprised me that even pastors often think forgiveness is the main, primary, or only gift of the gospel. But there's another one. And let me explain it this way. Jesus had two obediences. He had a passive obedience where he passively died on the cross, and he had an active obedience where he obeyed the law perfectly. Well, guess what? There's two benefits to each one. His passive obedience takes care of sins we commit. But there's another set of sins, and that is good works that we omit, sins of omission. Now, not able to forgive someone is a sin of omission. And the gospel to that is Christ's active obedience he obeyed the law perfectly. And when we become believers in Jesus Christ, we not only receive the forgiveness of sins 
that takes care of our sins of commission, we also receive another gift from Jesus that takes care of our sins of omission. And have you ever heard of this, Steve? The robe of righteousness. Now, there's some noise in the background. Is your phone... I'm driving, but I was just repeating you saying righteousness as you said it. Yes, good, excellent. Well, guess what? Every sin you commit, Jesus can forgive. And every good work you omit, he takes care of that by dressing you in his robe of righteousness. So that's how we are comforted that we're wearing Christ's robe of righteousness. He forgave in our place. It's given over to us, and therefore we have nothing to worry about in either our sins of commission or our sins of omission. Is that helpful? Yes, it's helpful. So it almost sounds like it's two pieces. One is... It is. You can't, you can't do it on your own, so what he's really saying is... He does it all. You're a believer, uh, or you're in my realm. I, I'm going to have so to I leave can help you, you forgive it. Yeah, thanks okay. so much. Uh, we're at the end of our hour. So thank you very much for listening. On Monday's Law Gospel, we're going to be talking about Lent. We're just about ready for Lent. And so join with me, Tom Baker. Till then, a God blessing to you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.